So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome back to Inside the Mind of Champions. Before Christmas, we did an episode called Mental Insights with a capital M-E-N, which featured all men. So it's the revenge time for the girls to fight back now. This episode has been created to celebrate International Women's Day on March the 8th. So to the ladies, I really hope this inspires you and that you can share this to inspire your female trailblazers across your organisation And I really also hope we've got loads of blokes listening too, because let's be honest, where would we be without the amazing women in our lives? I know from a personal point of view, I've been really lucky to be surrounded by amazing women, from my mum to my wonderful wife, two lovely daughters, and a mostly female team at Sporting Edge. So this is a celebration of the skills and impact that women can bring to our businesses and our lives. But as ever on this podcast, we'll be learning that it's not always a straightforward journey and we'll be hearing fascinating insights from high achievers across sport, business and the performing arts. Here's a taster of what's ahead in this special edition, Women Who Win. Probably the biggest role model for me was my mum. Just in terms of the way she, she lived her life and continues to live her life, she's ambitious and she's driven and she's not ashamed about that. So I kind of grew up with a very particular, quite strong philosophical and political approach that there's absolutely no reason why this glass ceiling exists. Remember, you will fail. You will make mistakes at times. Be happy to laugh at yourself. I think you need to look at, as a working mother, what you need for the next 12 months in order to maintain a balance between being with your family and being at work. I think women have to be brave and understand that there's opportunities that naturally will challenge the status quo. For any any woman out there who is striving to be successful, you've got to own your accomplishments and be proud of them. But I've learned to say, okay, the door's shut, I'll see if I can get through the window. Before we hear from today's Women Who Win, I just wanted to acknowledge those of you who'd written in with such amazing emails and social media posts with feedback. To all the students on the Santander programme that we've been running over the last couple of months, congratulations for finishing. You nearly broke our digital platform with hundreds of thousands of views, honestly. 
Uh, I got a note from our service provider to say that the streaming counter was almost flying off the wall. So I'm thrilled that you found all of those videos and toolkits really inspirational. And I hope that you take those winning mindset strategies on in your career. I've absolutely loved seeing all of your notes and mind maps and videos that you've been posting on social media. So thanks so much for those. Also, thanks to those who've written a review or left a a rating on Apple Podcasts or you've written in via hello at sportingedge.com. So thanks to Andrew from Australia, Torsten from Norway saying every episode changes the way I think. And Harsimran says, I've made so many positive life changes since listening to this podcast and using the video library. So thank you. Well, I'm absolutely delighted and uh, I've been fascinated about this area of mindset and performance and leadership for about 20 years now. So it's a great privilege for me to be able to share some of the insights from the people that we've met, some of the stories that we've heard and package that up so that it can help you to be happier, healthier and more successful in what you're doing. So that gives me a huge boost and the team at Sporting Edge when we get your feedback. So thanks very much for taking the time to do that. So with that in mind, let's meet some of the incredible women that we're going to hear from today and hear their stories, the human stories behind their success. Something that stands out in the winning women that we've interviewed is the start that they had and how their early belief system was shaped by their parents and those early social circles. So it's a real reminder that for us as a parent, we've got a choice of how we communicate and encourage our kids We don't just have to follow and repeat what happened to us a generation before or even worse, pass down what happened to our grandparents. Even a generation ago, women wouldn't have had the same opportunities that are available now. So the parents of the experts that we've interviewed didn't become victims. They channeled their frustrations into quiet resolve to ensure that their daughters had bright dreams for the future. The same for the male role models and fathers as well. They play a key role in setting that belief that anything is possible if you work hard. So we're going to hear from Kate Richardson-Walsh, the captain of the GB hockey team that won gold in the Olympics, talking about her early role models and how one of them was very close at hand during her formative years. When I was growing up uh, as a young girl, there weren't that many opportunities, if any, to be a professional sportswoman. Um, as maybe Wimbledon, there'd be a few tennis players out there. Um, Martina Navratilova, I'm showing my age now. Um, Steffi Graf, um, Monica Seles, you'd look at them and go, okay, wow, they're, you know, they're really doing this as a full-time job. I remember when the Olympics came around, Sally Gunnell was someone that I really looked at and was like, oh, I want to be like her. Um, but there weren't that many, many out there. And I think, you know, it's getting better. Um, and I think there's now lots of different sporting role models for young girls out there. I think we, we can be more visible and we can do more to, to get those female role models out there um, to show young girls that this can be you um, and it can be any of you. I think that's the, the point. But probably the biggest role model for me was my mum. Just in terms of the way she, she lived her life and continues to live her life, she's ambitious and she's driven and she's not ashamed about that. And uh, she really goes for her dreams and she's really empowered myself and my sister to, to follow our dreams. And if that means moving to a foreign country, if it means, you know, doing something difficult, challenging yourself, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, it's worth it because it's taking you towards, you know, the place that you want to be as a person. So um, I'd say my mum probably first and foremost. 
I love that insight and you can hear that her mum's instilled that belief that do whatever it takes if you have to move countries, reskill, get a new job, whatever it takes because that's where the joy, that's where the passion is and that's where you'll have most fun and you can almost hear the glass ceiling smashing as she talks through that insight. So let's move away from sport now and we're going to move to the performing arts and Lucy Skilbeck who is the acclaimed director and acting training at uh, RADA the world-famous Royal Academy for the Dramatic Arts. Her story from her childhood is a great example of this early passion for becoming a trailblazer in her career and in her life. I had to kind of go to my, probably my older sisters, maybe my mother, to say, why, why is there a sticker saying a woman's place is everywhere? And whoever it was, older sister, mother, father, somebody said, well, there's an expression, a woman's place is in the home, and what this sticker is saying is, a woman's place doesn't have to be in the home, a woman's place can be everywhere. This is mid-70s. And I kind of thought, well, duh. I mean, <laughs> it would seem such a... And there didn't even seem a conversation to be had because I was six or seven, and it never occurred to me that anybody might think that that shouldn't be the case. So I kind of grew up with a very particular, quite strong philosophical and political approach that there's absolutely no reason why this glass ceiling exists other than it does. Now, obviously, I then found out all the reasons why it exists and there are all sorts of economic and political and social and cultural and all sorts of reasons why it exists, not to say that it should, but why historically and traditionally it has. And I think sometimes that's really hard. And sometimes you catch yourself apologizing for things that you shouldn't apologize for. And sometimes in emails, I find that I keep writing just, I'm just sending this so, and I go, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So you have to stop yourself. You kind of actively sometimes have to make a stand and go, no, I'm not going to apologize. And I'm not going to be the completely accommodating supportive one, sometimes I'm going to be the person who says, no, it just, it, you see, it just, who says, it is this, it is this, and it needs to be this, and these are the reasons it needs to be this. But I don't have a simple and straight answer, I'm afraid. Work hard, persevere, say, why not me? Keep knocking on the doors. You just have to keep doing it. It's about being front-footed, I think, and, and assume that your capacity matches anybody else's capacity. I love that Lucy was perplexed at the idea of a woman's place being restricted to the home and that need for a picture on the wall seems so bizarre. Of course, in her mind, there were equal opportunities. Why shouldn't there be? Now, several decades on, we know that her expectations still aren't quite the reality. But with people like Lucy seizing their opportunity, things are definitely moving in the right direction. So as we move on from those formative years and start to expand out our social network and meet more diverse groups, we start to compare ourselves to other people and that can have an interesting effect on our confidence. I've got two teenage daughters and I'm acutely aware of the burden that lockdown and homeschooling has placed on them. You know, not being able to see their friends for months on end, uh, you know, and get up to those sneaky uh, antics that we would expect is uh, you know all part of it but instead they're stuck on mobile devices more and and that uh, you know comparison and social media of, of all their friends is a, is a bit of a distraction so in terms of 
confidence, comparison to others can be a dangerous trap as Olympic champion and uh, the wife of Kate that we just heard from, Helen Richardson-Walsh, now explains. The thing that I would say to, to young girls or, or any young people, um, it is difficult growing up in society today uh, with all the, the pressures of social media that, you know, you kind of look at what everyone else is doing, you think, oh, I've got to do that, I've got, to, I've got to speak like her or I've got to look like her, I've got to wear that, the, that kit or that, those trainers. And it is difficult to sometimes think, no, actually, this is me, this is who I am. And having that, that belief in, and self-worth self in who you are. And I would say to, to, to young girls, um, to be happy with who you are, that is the most important thing. There, will be so, there are so many different people in this world, but not one person is the right person to be. Who you are, what you stand for, is the most important thing. And remember, you will fail, you will make mistakes at times. Be happy to laugh at yourself. I think that's a, another thing I would say. Um, make mistakes and be happy about it because we all do them, we all need them to learn. And that's, that's the most important thing. Be you, be yourself. So there's a saying that comparison is the thief of joy. And when we're scrolling through those images and our connections on Instagram and Facebook, we have to be careful that we're not comparing their best to our worst, their success, their great looks, their great achievements, their great academic results, their new phone to the worst that we've got when we feel low on a particular day. We have to understand our unique strengths and own them and go and win our own race because as you get older you realise that there's no one else in your lane, you're not really competing with anyone else. So we need to make sure that we own our own strengths, we've got that self-awareness to understand what we're good at, what we're proud at, what our values are and make sure that we're more focused on that than looking at what everybody else is up to. So we've heard about that early source of inspiration from those early mentors and family members that are so key to giving us that aspirational foundation. And then we learn that we've got to try and focus back on our own goals and our own performance rather than comparing ourselves to too many other people. But then we start to get into our own career and our own competitive path. And this insight from world champion and Olympic gold medalist in the Paralympic Games, Dame Sarah Story gives us a great taste of the passion and drive needed to get to the very top. I think anyone's success is down to hard work. You can be fabulously talented, but if you aren't prepared to work hard, then it doesn't matter how talented you are because somebody will be prepared to work hard and will overcome any sort of lack of talent in order to beat you. And mental strength comes from working hard, I think. If you stand on the blocks or sit in the start gate, of a race knowing you couldn't have done any more to prepare for that particular race, knowing that you've put in more than anyone else in the world, then you're increasing the odds of winning. Whereas if you go into there and think, well, I'm so talented, I don't even care how much training I've done, then that complacency will catch you out. So you do need an element of mother nature to support you to start with, but you also have to have the determination to work hard. If you're prepared to suffer that little bit more, get that little bit extra out of your body if you know how to push yourself to the limit and then keep going and you know how to make yourself work that bit harder. When you think 
your arms and legs are going to fall off and you're neck and neck in the final five metres of a race in the swimming pool, what allows that person to touch the wall first? But we had a coach down in Stockport who used to say, you're going to do something extraordinary today because ordinary people do ordinary things, but we need you to be extraordinary. So what I'm asking you to do in training is not ordinary, it's extraordinary, but that will allow you to be extraordinary and extraordinary people can win extraordinary things. And ultimately, that's what it's about at the Olympic, at the Paralympic Games, World Championships. It's not something that ordinary people do. So we had to be extraordinary in order to achieve them. Isn't that brilliant? For any of us that want to achieve, we have to remember that if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So having that extraordinary intensity and commitment to start, to improve and to master our craft demands a lot of sacrifice and dedication. And often it's that rather than the talent which really determines who makes it. So many people have the intellect or have that hand-eye coordination or athleticism to be top class, but they're just not prepared to do what it takes to get there. Now, that story of hustle could have featured in any of the episodes of this podcast. And I know for women, they may not have a straight run at their career like many men have. Most men would be able to look at an unbroken period of 20 or 30 years of a career path. But for women that plan to and are lucky enough to have a family, their careers become fragmented in a series of stop-start bursts. Ilaria Gregotti is a former senior partner at KPMG and an expert in corporate transformation. Ilaria's interview mainly focuses on the great steps leaders need to take to deliver a successful transformation. So we're very lucky to have that interview for our corporate programmes. But I also, when I was with Ilaria, I wanted to understand how she'd balanced a successful international corporate career with a vibrant family life too. And her advice was excellent. Women in business are absolutely critical. We need more of us to be out there and be working. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be super ambitious to be able to do that. You just need to like what you do. I believe in giving women the choice to uh, decide what they want to do. But my advice to women is not to take too long term a view about their careers. Now, let me explain this because it's slightly an unconventional way of putting it. I think you need to look at, as a working mother, what you need for the next 12 months in order to maintain a balance between being with your family and being at work. Um, that balance changes pretty much every couple of years as your children get older. And therefore, there's very little point in trying to have a setup that works longer term uh, because that, that just career probably doesn't exist. And you're, you're very lucky if you have it now. But in my experience, it probably doesn't exist. My uh, sons are teenagers now. Uh, they have very different needs to when they were toddlers or in primary school. And therefore, I've had to adjust my work concept of work-life balance as their needs have evolved. Um, I worked part-time for years, then went back up a bit to full-time. Now I try to stay at home and work from home on Fridays. And, and it's having that flexibility 
to really be able to say, does it work for me for the next 12, 18 months? Do I feel I have the right balance? Go for it. Don't worry about what comes after. Now, if, if you feel that it's not working, talk to your leaders. Don't preempt a decision by the business. Come and bring us the challenge. If you feel your work setup needs to change because you feel you're out of balance, come and speak to us before you make a decision to leave. You'd be surprised uh, as to how much one can do to come more towards you. So I've heard a lot of women in business speak about this dual guilt of trying to get this balance right. They feel guilty when they're leaving their kids uh, because they're going off to work and then they feel guilty not being able to give 100% attention to their work because they've also got their family commitments. So again, I think having a realistic set of expectations is the key here and giving as much as you possibly can to each of the different domains and identities and roles that we play in our lives. Now, clearly having a supportive partner and a strong support network is really, really important because without that, we often have to compromise on our ideals. What I like about Elaria's advice is that it's that definition of agile, just like she would support leaders to develop an agile business strategy. She's brought the same kind of thinking into her life and career strategy. The pandemic's turned all of our lives upside down, as well as our expectations of work-life balance. So maybe this is the time, the great pause of reflection, and we should have the courage to re-engineer the work-life balance that we want for ourselves. So if you're balancing a career, a family and other demands, maybe this is the time to reconsider what works best for you and speaking to your company and to your family to see if there's a better way of doing things as we move forward. This is why I love to share this kind of content with senior male leaders too. I was asked a, a year or so ago to speak at a, a big corporate conference for one of the leading banks and it was for their women's network and they had three to 400 women attending and I said, yep, yeah, that's great. I'd love to help, of course. How many men are invited? And it was just a handful. So to me, if the senior decision makers are still predominantly men, then how are we going to change the perceptions and the bias that restricts women's progress in their careers unless those men are actively involved in these women's programs and initiatives? Our mindsets and cultures don't change overnight, but with exposure to great ideas, contrasting viewpoints and fresh thinking, we can build new patterns of thinking and communication, which then starts to transform the way we behave and perform. Now, if you're new to Sporting Edge or this podcast, I just wanted to offer you the chance to join our growing network of hundreds of ambitious entrepreneurs, elite coaches and corporate execs in our members club. Here's how you can get involved. During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro-lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from elite sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums and events. Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. 
For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. So I really hope you can join us. I'll make sure there's a promotion code in the show notes that you can access to get a special offer. And uh, I don't mind if you pause this podcast at the moment and jump straight over to sportingedge.com forward slash membership. I think you'll be amazed at what you see. So make sure you check that out when you get a moment. Okay, let's get back inside the mind of some of these women who win. So from our research, it seems like confidence plays a central and vital role in determining the mindset and the success that these inspirational women have had. But as we now hear from Anna Richards, the New Zealand women's rugby captain, who won, wait for it, four World Cups, you would expect her to be brimming with confidence. But actually, it was something that Anna had to train for, just like a tackling technique. I suppose um, confidence-wise, you just got to believe in yourself, and and you got to sit down and look at look at your strengths, and then one and and don't gloss over it. You know, I was very I was not very good at promoting myself and saying I was a good rugby player. You know, people would say, "Oh, you play rugby," and I go, "Oh yeah," and they go, "How are you any good at it?" And I go, "Oh yeah, I'm okay." You know, and New Zealanders are very self-effacing. So I think, one, I've, I need to learn to be a bit more upfront and say, yes, I won four World Cups and be proud of it. Because if you gloss over things like that, you gloss over what, you, what you've done and what a lot of other women have done before you. So you've got you've to make the most of your achievements. And so um, I think I've got to get better at that. <laughs> but um, for any, any woman out there who is striving to be successful, you've got to own your accomplishments and be proud of them. So just like Lucy Skilbeck mentioning at the beginning that she had to stop herself from constantly apologising and saying, it's just me or it's just an idea. She had to stay strong in her convictions. One key strategy to owning your success is that when somebody says, well done for your efforts on a particular project, just say thank you. Not, yeah, thanks, it was the photographer or the web designer. Just say thank you. That's like you're accepting a gift and and owning it and unwrapping it for yourself rather than playing past the parcel and swinging it down the line to somebody else. Try that technique with somebody in your family or your team and, and coach them to own that confidence. It's really, really important. Tell them well done for something very specific. Obviously, they've got to have done well in the first place. Otherwise, it's too false. And when they say, ah, yes, but, you know, that meal was lovely because of the oven or because of where we got the food from, make sure you jump on it straight away. We've got to own our confidence. And just by saying thank you is not being arrogant. You know, I think we often think that arrogance is is there if we become overconfident. But arrogance to me is some kind of derogatory comparison to other people, whereas confidence can be just about us. You give somebody a compliment, you say to somebody, well done, you give them praise, or somebody does that to us, and we just say thank you. Yes, I agree, that was really good. I'm really proud of it. Thank you. That's all we have to say. So I think building our confidence is so important because it gives us that bank account of evidence that when we start to see a bigger challenge ahead of us, we look back at that and say, actually, there's plenty in the bank here. I think I can take this risk. I can afford 
the, the sort of embarrassment of failure because I've achieved so much already. Whereas when we pass on the parcel, if you like, of, of the compliment, we don't feel like we've got the evidence to reconnect to and it can feel a little bit intangible. So we then don't feel as confident as we could do. So I think that's a really good technique to think about, just saying thank you for that praise. Now, we see a lot in team talks, don't we, that the player comes off, gets the man of the match award and they say, oh, congratulations, you're man of the match. And, and the sort of footballer or cricketer or rugby player or whatever says, oh, yeah, but it was a team game. I couldn't have done it without my teammates. Now, that is fine. But this isn't a match of the day press interview. We couldn't have done it without our team, of course, but we can still just say thank you and make sure that confidence gets stuck. So as we're talking about football teams and, uh, you know, match of the day, it brings us on to another great insight from our members club library, from the former England footballer, Enia Luko, who's got a great example of a woman overcoming self-doubt and seizing that golden opportunity that lay before her. Gone are the days when you can sort of bang doors down and, and you know, be confrontational in an aggressive way about, about the status quo because ultimately there are people that control the status quo, that create a status quo. But I think it certainly can be challenged through achievement. It can be challenged through communication, through trying to slowly, slowly change a culture, being open, uh, all those kinds of things, I think, helps challenge the status quo and taking opportunities that are represent the opposite to the status quo. So, for instance, you know, me taking the match of the day opportunity, that could have been something I completely said no to because it, the status quo is no females do match of the day. But I think once you do it, then all of a sudden, not only BBC and Match of the Day think, well, yeah, women can do it, but other women think it as well. So I think women have to be brave and understand that there's opportunities that naturally will challenge the status quo. When Venus and Serena were really coming into their own, I was sort of 12, 13, and I was playing tennis at the time as a sort of second sport to football. And that was a time, as I mentioned before, where... I was getting a lot of um, grief, I suppose, from people who were saying, well, she's a girl, she shouldn't be playing in a boys' team, and having a problem with the fact that I was, I was playing in a, in a boys' team, and, and it affected me. Um, so the, for, the, for me, those two were the sort of representation of very unapologetic females. You know, they, were, they, had no, they made no apologies for who they were. They had the beads in their hair. They were great at what they did. They had fans, they wore colours and they, they just were unapologetic and, and I thought that was great because I thought, well, they're similar to me, you know, I can be like that, I can be okay with who I am despite people saying that it's, it's against the rules, you know, for girls to play in, in a boys team. So I think that's really why I connected with them um, because they just were so brave and okay with who they were. So that's a great story. And in seizing that opportunity, Eni became a trailblazer herself, a game changer that's now inspired thousands more girls and women around the world to take their opportunities. So it becomes a self-fulfilling loop that Kate Richardson Walsh spoke about at the beginning, where there might only have been a few female role models around 20 years ago. Now there could be hundreds or thousands and everyone can be inspired to take on these opportunities and have the courage and commitment it takes to get to the very top. So becoming a world champion 
in your field calls for an inspirational vision. It calls for you seizing that opportunity, but it also means that you can't let that opportunity slip once you get there. And we now hear from the Olympic gold medalist in the Winter Olympics, Amy Williams, about the mindset it takes to be able to deliver and execute on that opportunity once it presents itself. As a person, I don't think I'm any different than anyone else. I don't view myself as, you know, superhuman or anything. I think the reason, I guess, athletes or, or people who are at the, the very highest level of what they do is because they set themselves goals, they tell themselves they're going to do something and then they go and do it. It's, you know, you're not going to cheat on yourself and, and miss out a few things. If it's something as simple as I'm going to go to the gym and I've got three sets of 10 squats, I'm not going to do three sets of 10 or, or the first two sets on 10 and then actually I'm a bit tired, I'm only going to do eight on the last two. You know, I will do then 10. If I tell myself to go to bed every single night, 10 o'clock, turn off my light, I will do it. And yeah, I think people found it quite funny when I, I was asked to go on the Jonathan Ross show straight away after Olympics. And I had to admit that I'd never ever watched it before because it starts at 10 o'clock. It's what, Friday night, 10 o'clock or was. And I had never watched it because I'm always in bed that time. And yeah, it's sort of funny, I guess, at the time. But for me, it was all about making sacrifices every single day of my life simple things to some people and you might brush it off. Oh, it doesn't matter if I go out that night or the night after, one late night or two late nights isn't gonna matter. But actually it is. And knowing myself that I had stuck to my own goals and told myself to, to do what I was gonna do, then again, gives you that mental toughness and that strength to keep going and, and know that you're gonna achieve and get your goal because you told yourself you were gonna do it and, and you go and do it. So I love that insight and that determination not to cut corners because we know we're only cheating ourselves and that knowledge that we've done everything we possibly could to have been prepared. Remember, confidence is preparedness. If I feel like I've done the work for a school exam or a, you know an interview, then I feel more confident that I've left no stone unturned. And that then builds our belief and that's when we deserve to win. That's when we feel like we deserve to win because we've put that volume of work to master our skills. And that can be the same in sport, in our health and well-being or in our career. So this commitment to these brilliant basics is absolutely the thing that when it's aggregated day after day, week after week, that's where the personal transformation comes from. So the women who win have discipline. They have confidence to seize the opportunity but greatness isn't achieved in a season or even a year. To be the very best you can takes that golden attribute of resilience. To succeed in a male-dominated industry, to navigate politics and bias, to balance a family and a career, and to do this for several decades is a remarkable achievement in itself. Our final insight comes from a lady who's achieved all of this across different levels. She was a coach, a coach educator, the chair of UK Sport, and now works with the Football Association looking after the women's game. Baroness Sue Campbell gives us a glimpse into the fire that fueled her tenacity to become one of the most respected change agents in British sport. But as she explains, it wasn't always an easy path. There are times when, like every other woman in any 
position, I've felt patronised. There are times when I've been bullied, uh, mercilessly in some cases. Um, but I always go back, you know, it relates to a question you asked me earlier about living out the values. You know, one of the great values in sport that I had to learn very early on when I got sent off a number of times for whacking somebody with a stick because they hit me was that the, the umpire often doesn't see them hit you, but sure as heck they see you hit back. And so one of the great things about sport is it teaches you when something happens and the umpire doesn't see it, the person in authority hasn't noticed it, sure as heck if you turn around and thump back you'll be seen. Because they don't hear the first thing, but sure, they caught, their eye catches it and they look, and sure enough, they see the second. So I've learned that this great word that my father used frequently with me is grace, which is the ability to take the hits, not necessarily forget them, I have to say, but walk away and learn to come back a different way. So when I've been hit like that, I haven't liked it, it's been painful. I haven't enjoyed it. I hope to God I've never done it to other people. But I've learned to say, OK, the door's shut. I'll see if I can get through the window. And if the window's shut, I'll dig a tunnel into the house. And if the tunnel's not available, I'll burrow through the roof. In other words, there's always a way around things. But you've got to not... The hard bit is not to feel put down by it. Not to feel demotivated and demoralised by it. And I found prejudice sometimes is not somebody not wanting you to succeed, it's that you're not the norm. You, you don't behave because you're a woman and you, you do things in a different way, not a better, different way, but in a different way. And it's not expected that you behave in that way, in that position. So there is a kind of, well, you can't possibly be you know, fit to do this, because you don't do that properly. And you go, what do you mean properly? And, and it's because the norm that they see is a male norm. So they're not necessarily thinking, I don't want women to do that. They're looking at the characteristics and going, well, that's not the characteristics uh, of a successful person. But there are many ways to succeed. And very interestingly, and, and you'd have to apply your sports psychology to this, in the two organisations where I've been the chief executive of the National Coaching Foundation, the Youth Sport Trust, now chair of the Youth Sport Trust, we, we employ predominantly women. I don't employ them. Why do they come here? They come here because they have a sense they can succeed. There is no ceiling here. And that's because they see me in that position. I find that quite interesting. And if you look at the, the senior leadership of UK sport, it's a good split, 50-50. Uh, I think there is something about women's belief they can get there and those moments when that happens to them, all that confidence that they've built up to get them to the place, it just sucks away at them and they drop down again. Rather than take a deep breath, door was shut, I'll find the window. You know, it's, it's, that, it's resilience, it's that ability to take the blows and come back. And I think if in your mind as a woman you are anticipating that and it happens to you, there's a bit that says, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to put myself in that place again. And I often say to women, you know, you, you have to put yourself in that place again.
So there's a glimpse of the resilience, the defiance, the insatiable search for the weak points in the glass ceiling that she can poke and prod. Sue was not taking no for an answer and used all her influence and skills and strategic thinking and persistence to drive change. As Sue moves into the final phases of her illustrious career, it's also a call to arms for young women across industries to do the same. Later in our interview, she went on to say that she didn't think women are better, they're just different. And it's this blend of skills and different personality types that gives us the best results, whether it's in the boardroom or the dressing room. Like all the experts that we've interviewed over the last decade, Sue Campbell's inspirational interview is available in full to members. So I'd love you to take opportunity of this discounted price point with this special offer for joining the Sporting Edge Members Club. So there's a link in the show notes below. You may also have noticed that we've got a shorter micro lesson episode that uh, is coming through weekly. So I'd love you to send through some of your questions because I'd love to do some Q&A type content for those shorter sessions. So please do send me a question through on mindset, on leadership, on performance, on organisational change through to hello at sportingedge.com and I'll pick some of those out and pull out some nuggets from our members club library for you and add that into the feed. We've also got our white paper on this topic, Women Who Win. So again, come across to sportingedge.com and that's available to pick up and share across your organisation for your women's initiatives in the coming weeks. To all the girls, ladies and hopefully lots of men listening, let's celebrate the women in our lives and in our teams. Thanks so much for listening. Please do subscribe and leave a short review. It's the silent applause that tells me that you've appreciated this episode. And I really appreciate your time in leaving those reviews and those uh, comments. So for the rest of the day, enjoy your run, your dog walk or slumping on the sofa. And until next time, good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.